1: Tonight, at the main event, what do we have? Who do we have? You know what it is! It's Taco Tuesday!
0: Welcome to another edition of the Points in the Pain podcast, presented by Stadium. I'm Ben Wittenstein. I'm Zach host. Zach, we have... So much to talk about. NBA playoffs, full swing. If you want to give this podcast a uh, a review, you can do that. You can subscribe anywhere you want where podcasts are available. We come out every single week. Myself and Zach talking everything NBA, venting our frustrations, complimenting teams, loving on Luka Doncic. We've got so much to talk about, Zach, with the NBA playoffs going on. Um, and for the first of our big three, we'll look at the past week. For the second, we'll look forward at the week to come. So Let's just start right away with our first of the big three The big three. and uh, taking a look at everything happening in the past week of the playoffs. There's too much to go over everything but I think we picked a pretty good amount of stuff to kind of pluck out of, of all the mess um, and I think a good place to start would be that Mavs Clipper series because we saw this game Sunday night. It was a lot of fun and the whole series in fact has been fun and I do want to how do you say toot my own horn for saying, I think this game was going or the series was going seven games. I said that last week and Zach, I still believe it.
1: You know what? You have every right to do so right now. And you know what? We got things on this podcast that we're going to discuss. And the first thing we're not even going to get into Luca because we know what Lucas has been in. We gonna get into that. We're not going to get on. We're not going to focus on that right now. The reason why this series is tied is because of who being who just will not perform at the playoff level that he's supposed to. Even given with a nickname that he self proclaimed as playoff P. <laughs> Good old playoff P, playoff poo-poo,
0: Paul George himself.
1: He has he has not played well in this series at all from the jump. Like he's shooting thirty percent from the field, twenty from three. I seen D. Wade on Twitter, he commented, he said playoff P is real. Well, we haven't seen it yet. And we haven't seen it in like three, four playoff runs from the from playoff. P from Paul George, you know, I believe since he changed his number, this is my theory on this being, since he changed his number to 13, I feel like he's just been unlucky. Since he went from 24 to 13, I just feel like Paul George has had the worst luck. Just can't stay in the playoffs. His first round exit, he hurt his leg. Like it's just been, it's been a real rough patch. And shoulder surgeries last season, it's been a real rough patch for Paul George.
0: It has. It's tough, and it's tough to see him struggle, but also. I have friends who are Pacers fans who are laughing their butts off at watching him struggle in the playoffs. And it's something that a lot of people know about him that he does oftentimes struggle in the playoffs and the Clippers should not have this series be competitive, but they do. And a big part of that is because of Luka Doncic but also because playoff P is uh not playoff P at the moment.
1: <laughs> He's been super ineffective but then on the flip side, you got Luka. You know, Luka's been playing lights out. I think he has two triple-doubles in this uh in this playoff series alone already including the one he had last last night with the 40-point triple-double and the game winner. He's played exceptional. He's incredible. Yeah, he's definitely incredible. He's shooting he's shooting well. He had a tough first game where he had 11 turnovers and I thought it was going to be a repeat of that throughout the series, but he did very well adjusting adjusting to the series. You know, he played a little more settled, you know, he's looking for his shots and I like what the Mavericks are really doing. They're spacing the floor out, which I really wouldn't think would work against a, a Clippers team, but they're spacing them out five wide including uh the center, uh, Kleber He's even out on the baseline and ready to catch and shoot the three if Luke is just driving. My whole thing with the Clippers is like, why can't you be? Why can't you stop five wide? Like, why can't you stop that? Why? I mean, if Seth Curry is going to – if you want to stop Seth Curry from shooting the three, you just got to chase him off. You got to be able to get back and chase him off the three-point line if Luke is kicking it out to him or Finney Smith or whoever the case might be because that's the kind of offense that they're running.
0: Yeah, and I think we also need to talk a little bit about the coaching, and you have a coach's rant Um, Later down the line for a different coach. But I want to just say Doc Rivers either having his defensive scheme switch on that final play that Luka hit the game winning shot. Why in the hell is Reggie Jackson on Luka Doncic in the final moments of the game? You have Kawhi Leonard, arguably one of the best defenders right now in the NBA. You've even got Paul George who offensively not playing well, but still he can help defensively since he's long. You even got Marcus Morris out there who is defending Luka for a good portion of this series. You have options and you go with Reggie Jackson. Morris, that's the fine point in this. Morris had been checking him
1: majority of this series, like you said. He had been checking him the majority of the game too. Fourth quarter and and overtime specifically in this game between the Dallas Mavericks and the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard was literally containing... That's why the game went to overtime because Luca, no not Luca, Kawhi Leonard did a great job of containing Luca in those final moments, in the final minutes, final minutes to really push that game into OT. That's kind of what helped them bring them back because the game was really almost over. Like the the Mavericks literally almost had the game won. Like they had the game won, but they, they had some mental lapses down the stretch and they forced overtime. But you can't have that, Doc Rivers. You cannot have that. You can't allow no switch. For Reggie Jackson to be the guy six foot one, six foot two at best on a six foot seven Luca at three point line for a step back three? That's barbecue chicken. We've been seeing Luca do that since he
0: was overseas. That's true. That's true. It's like everyone in the building I knew, everyone knew, the announcers, everyone watching that game knew Luca was going to be taking that last shot. And the fact that they didn't put one of their three better defenders on him is an insanely terrible lack in judgment by doc rivers on that possession. And that's why, I mean, they deserve to lose the game because of that. They deserve it. If you're not going to put your best defender on the best player, who, you know, for a fact is taking this last three point shot, a shot, which he consistently hits. You deserve it. You deserve that loss a hundred percent.
1: He consistently hits the shot. You've seen it time and time again. There's and then I got to give credit what credit's due for Luca on this. My thing is it's not the shot that impresses me. It's the numbers he got without KP, without Kristaps Porzingis. That was more important than anything. You had to be able to step up and get his numbers along with your own. So the fact that he did that too was was major impressive because they had lost KP in game one due to the tech. And I didn't I don't know about you being, but I did not agree with neither tech technical foul. Bob Porzingis, I didn't agree with neither one of them. Like, he was helping out his teammate with the second one, with the second tech. And then the first tech was kind of blasphemous, too. So, you know, them having KP for the next game will be huge.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I and I think, I mean, we could have done a whole segment, but this is just because this happened earlier on last week, is the officiating was really brutal to start the playoffs. I mean, they were throwing techs around. There was, there was fouls called a lot. And I do think they've laid off a little bit on a lot of those as we head into this week. We've seen fewer fouls called. We've seen the, we've seen every team be able to play a little bit more. They haven't been blowing their whistles as much, which I really appreciate. So they have cleaned up the bad officiating a little bit. But that technical a foul was terrible. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. There, there's certainly still bad calls. There's, there's yeah. definitely still been really, really bad calls or bad no calls, too, where they don't call a foul when there yeah. should be one. But... They have loosened up a little bit. I think there were times where an official could have been within their right to, to give a technical foul, and they didn't, at least later on in this week. So I think they've loosened up a bit um, because it was bad. It was really bad last week really to start bad. the playoffs. The officiating was horrible. So I'm glad they cleaned that up. It and is man, good like, to see that this series has been going neck and neck. I think it's going to be a very fun rest of the week for this series.
1: Yeah, you know, it'll go – Depending on how Mr. Playoff P. Paul George, depending on how he plays, if he continues to play poorly, it's definitely going seven. If he continues to play this poorly, it may go six in favor of Dallas. So if he doesn't step up, it's going to be lights out for the Clippers. And then, you know, everybody talked all that rah-rah about the Clippers being in the Western Conference Finals, and everybody wants that Laker-Clipper matchup. We may not even see that if they don't perform well, and that being the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. We can move on, though, to these Blazers, because these Blazers definitely took a game from the Los Angeles Lakers.
0: Yeah, they did. So let's go to that series, because that is, I think, the second, maybe maybe the second or third most fun series so far in the playoffs. But the Blazers took game one against the Lakers Um, as we're recording this on Monday. They play tonight, so we don't have to make huge, uh, huge takes on this series because we don't know what's going to happen tonight once since we're recording. But the Lakers do look like they're not the super most dominant team right now. And, And the Blazers are a very good team. And it's looking like they're tiring out just a little bit. Nurkic did look tired in uh, in the game three that they played but the blazers i think still have as good of a chance as any team to to make a comeback in the series they do
1: but then again they don't and only it's a mental thing for me lebron gotta he gotta do it like you have to do it you gotta average 30 last game he had 38 you need that again you need that type of performance every single game you can't have a game with a triple double only having 23 points that's not enough i don't care how many assists you have 15 i don't care about that that's not enough this is playoff time, LeBron. We ain't we don't have time for no 15 assists in no game if you don't have 30, 35 points. And everybody's rah around about the 15 assists, but yet KCP still shot terrible from the field. Still shot terrible. And Philly Cheese, that being Deion Waiters, and J.R. Smith both did not play in game one. That's bad coaching on Vogels, on Vogel's behalf. There's been some bad coaching in this in this bubble, Ben.
0: There has. And it's weird because there seems like things that seem obvious, like waiters and J.R. Smith playing. You know, you don't have to give them 20 minutes, but they're important for maybe a 10 minute stretch, at least to give some guys some rest and maybe create some offense. But it is weird that LeBron, you know, people obviously talk about LeBron during the regular season as he got older, as someone who kind of coasted through the regular season, which I don't I don't disparage him for that. I mean, he's an older guy. He's using his most of his energy waiting for the playoffs. That's fine. But even now, once the playoffs started, he, he doesn't look like the normal Braun that we're used to. And you put it you put it out there. He's just not putting up the numbers that we expect from him, even with triple doubles. He needs to be a little bit more assertive, a little bit more aggressive, I think, if the Lakers really want to have a ch- chance to not only win the series, but win the title this year.
1: Exactly. And like I said, like last game, he played, he played well. You know, what I'm saying? everybody didn't play well, but he specifically played well. You know, he had 38, he had 12 yeah. rebounds. So you need that type of performance from LeBron every game, no matter who's playing what, like... Forget as Anthony Davis going. Like, Anthony Davis can get himself going. He's a superstar. There's no need to start the game off giving him five touches in a row or anything like that. No. Anthony Davis can get his own shot, own ISO, own everything. You have to put yourself in position, LeBron James, to go out there and be aggressive and be assertive and let the Portland Trailblazers know they can't guard you. There's no answer for you, LeBron.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they, they need to look like because they were they are – most people's favorites to win the title they need to look like that team that can win the title and right now they just they don't look like that team I don't think they, they still look like they can compete but man they don't look like the favorites that I think they initially did at least to start the bubble exactly you know Anthony Davis okay he's scoring 29 in this series that's good you need
1: guys like Kyle Kuzma okay he gets nine he need 19 so, yeah, other guys do need to step yeah. up. You need 19 points yeah, from Kuzma throughout the whole playoffs. Alex Caruso, if he's going to play bad, don't give him 29 minutes. You can definitely split those numbers. You can literally split those numbers in half and give 15 or 14 minutes of those to a J.R. Smith or to a Deion Waiters. You have to put yeah. guys in the game that are going to make shots. If guys aren't hitting shots, take them out of the game. KCP, get him out of there. If he's not making shots, get him out of the game.
0: Yeah, Kuzma definitely needs to step up. I think he is... He's kind of the key with all of this because LeBron's for the most part going to get his, we know ID, as you said, he's going to get his, but if they really want to dominate these teams, Kuzma needs to start playing better. He needs to start playing more aggressive. He does seem a little hesitant at times and he's just been off a lot in this series. He, if he gets going, the Lakers then I think become that team where they are the team to beat.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'm looking at this as we move forward, I'm looking at this magic bucks game that's currently taking place while we're recording. And I'm really not worried about the Milwaukee Bucks being. A lot of people were worried after Game One. You no, know, I even saw you out there talking about they look beatable. No, they 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 lost the game. I don't think I still firmly believe the Bucks going to the finals. Like the Raptors are playing well. Yeah, they've been scored 100 points. That's that's nice. That's real nice. I still don't think nobody in the East has an answer for Giannis for four games. Four games in a row. I still don't think nobody has an answer, despite them losing that Game One.
0: That's fair. Yeah, that's that that's a good point. Um, we can move on to the next series that is actually taking place right now. Uh, their game, as we are recording game four between the Bucks and the Magic. The Magic stole game one to the surprise of everybody, but the Bucks kind of came back and, and played like the Bucks. And right now they're only up three points um, at the end of the third quarter, near the end of the third quarter. So that's still a close game. And they were about 13 point favorites to beat the Magic. And the Magic seemed to me as like one of those teams that's just going to pester you. You're probably going to beat them, but they're going to annoy you so much in that process. And I don't know if the Magic take another game, but the bucks and I said this before a couple weeks ago, you they did. look beatable, and they still, to me, look beatable. Now, you got to explain
1: to me why they still look beatable. Now, I know, I know some of the reasons, and obviously, that's Chris Middleton. He's playing terrible this series. He's playing terrible today. So he's been playing awful since the playoffs have started. So I know that's one of the real reasons for sure. And then the bench got to step up. But what, what are your, some of your other reasons why you believe that they're, they still look beatable?
0: Middle, well, yeah, Middleton, as you said, definitely an issue. I think he's probably the number one issue. I think, number two, their defense doesn't look as as solid as it did in the pre-bubble during the regular season. Um, I, I, they, they were really, really good at locking down teams, forcing them to take bad shots. And Orlando has... You know, Orlando scored over 110 points on them once they scored 107 points on them. Uh, They did hold Orlando in one game in the series to under 100 points. And this is an Orlando team that is very streaky hit or miss. Um, Them scoring under 100 points is kind of a normalcy for them. So. Have them score, you know, over 110 points is concerning, and I'm I'm concerned if they're going to have to match up with someone theoretically in the finals against like the Rockets. I, you know, they, they just struggle sometimes to contain three point shooting teams and giving up long stretches of points where they go and they can't make a shot on the other end. So that that's concerning. And then the other one is Giannis. And I think Giannis has, he's put up the numbers, but there is definitely points where he's been struggling and there's times where he's just looking for a foul and the officials aren't giving him a foul at all. He, he travels more often um, than he probably should be doing. And and I think his his room for improvement is is very much there. And I think all, all those reasons put together make the Bucks beatable. Now, does that mean they're going to not make the conference finals of the finals? I, I think they still probably will at least make the conference finals, but they they are not the shining team that I definitely thought they were back in like February. They're still shining on me,
1: Ben. I don't know why. It just might be Giannis. You know, Giannis. I feel like just Giannis is just that good, like in these in these Eastern playoffs. And I'm looking around these other teams. Boston, I, they probably could give him a run because Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown have the ability, and obviously Kim Walker, they each have ability to get their own shot at any given time. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned for Boston. Toronto, though, like, a lot of people are really high on Toronto. I'm not really super high on Toronto because Spicy P, you know, that's my guy and you know, all, uh, uh, Pascal Siakam. But he hasn't played super lights out in the playoffs yet. You know, I'm still waiting to see this next series that they have with the Raptors. I mean, against the Celtics to really see like what he's going to really bring to the table. So I really know if the Raptors can really compete if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. As I see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and And I think there's definitely been teams in the East that have shown to be better than what people initially thought. So I think you even add that into the equation where I think there are some teams who. I initially thought we're just not gonna beat the Bucks at all, who have played in a way that I think now they could probably have a shot to beat the Bucks in a seven-game series. So it'll be interesting, and I do still think I'm not, you know, completely off the bus that the Bucks are gonna make the finals, but I've got one foot off right now. I'm 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 a little shaky on it, that's for sure. Um, we'll go. Let's see the next series. Our favorite series is what we said last week: Rockets OKC and. I don't know about you, Zach, but it, uh, I'm a little disappointed in OKC. I am, too. I a little I am disappointed. So am uh, so much flack. Yeah, I'm why are you disappointed? So
1: much flag. I'm getting so much flack. I'm getting so much flack, man. So much. I'm getting so much. It's like every time the Rockets won a game, the series is 2-1 right now. Every time the Rockets got a game, I got a text. I got a text. 1-0. And then I got another text where they won the second game. That's 2-0. And that person knows who he is. I wouldn't even say his name, but he knows who he is. And I've gotten other texts, too. You know, Westbrook has not played in this series yet. So I think... When he comes back you know they've shot you know numerous of threes they probably average 40 to 50 threes a game in this series right now alone but i feel like that's going to be reduced once westbrook comes back because we all know that russell westbrook loves that mid-range shot or getting to the rim you know he's going to shoot a couple threes but he really he's like the only guy with the green light to really shoot the mid-range shot on the houston rockets and you know obviously attack the rim so i think he's going to reduce the amount of threes that they get which turns obviously three-pointers into two-pointers which means that that game, the game will be a lot tighter and a lot closer in favor of OKC. I think.
0: I, I, yeah, I agree. And and the thing is, is, I mean, I don't know if we thought OKC was going to outright just murder the Rockets, but I thought it was going to be, you know, a little closer. And we've seen OKC actually play interesting basketball, at least in the past game against the Rockets. They took an overtime. They won that game. And we've got the emergence of the defensive stalwart, that is Lujan Stort, who said, apparently is just stopping Harden <laughs> wherever he wants.
1: Yeah, I saw that. And he's been able to uh,
0: stop James Harden in crucial
1: moments. You know, not enough, because, you know, obviously he's still getting like 38, nearly 40 points yes. in these games. And you want you want to be able to reduce that in half to really have a shot. And they did. And that's what kind of disappointed me, too, when they in game two. They had a shot in that game off the strength of James Harden struggling. He struggled in that game. He didn't shoot very well at all. And so for them to not even be in the game or have a shot, I was very disappointed. Billy Billy uh, Donovan in particular, you have to put, and I'm not gonna say it no more. <laughs> you have to put Stephen Adams five <laughs> feet under the rim twenty times a game. I'm I'm watching these games. I'm looking at the box score. Why does Stephen Adams only have four attempts? Why like why is his attempts less than ten? It's an insult. It's a flat out insult to have a seven footer on the floor, the tallest guy guarding you be six, 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 seven. That's an I don't care who you are. I don't I don't care what skill level you have or any, like if you're seven feet, you're a professional basketball player in the NBA, and a guy six foot seven guarding you, six foot five, there's no excuse. There's no reason to demand the ball every single time, no matter who you are. I don't care who you are being you could be any center in the league in the playoffs right now. Rudy Gobert, Steven Adams, Brooke Lopez, Ennis canner it doesn't matter. Whoever you have on you, that six foot six, six foot seven, they're guarding you. Demand the ball, like literally demand the ball. And Billy Donovan has to do better coaching in terms of putting Adams on the block against the Houston Rockets.
0: Yeah, it seems like kind of a good strategy to work inside out, in a way, you know, to kind of get the ball inside to Adams. And if he can move and, and maneuver and score, awesome. If if they collapse on him, you just keep kicking it out. Now, the problem is they're not, you know, a super great three-point shooting team, OKC, but they can get hot and they have capable three-point shooters. So, you know, I think it's a strategy that can work, but I 100% agree. I mean, they need to go to Adams a lot more. They need to utilize him more in the pick and roll. And and I think they need to utilize his skill in the post a lot more. And they can't just, like, try to stoop to playing the Rockets game, which a lot of teams do. Yeah, a lot of teams try to, like, match their three-point shooting volume. And most teams cannot do that. And the Thunder just can't fall into that trap. And that's why they won their last game is they played their own style of basketball. And that's what I think is going to get them to at least either even up the series or, you know, take it to six or seven.
1: Exactly. And you know, we've I'm still riding high on that OKC and six. I'm not changing my mind. Like I'm not changing my mind. I'm still not So, but I won't be a believer until I see it. Until that top until that clock hits zero zero when it's done ticking and the Rockets win the series, then that's when I'll know that they can do it, that they can win a series with the small ball, small ball lineup, but they have to win two more games. And I'm not sold just yet with the, with my belief that if what I believe the strategy for the Oklahoma city thunder to do in terms of putting Steven Adams on the block and giving him at least 20 attempts in these next few games, then I believe that's going to be the key for them to win this series.
0: All right. The next series, we want to look at nuggets jazz And we saw a fun one on Sunday night. The Jazz pulled it out. The Nuggets had a fun game one. They looked good. And the Jazz looked bad. And then the Jazz got Mike Conley back. And now they almost look like a completely different team. And the Nuggets look like a completely worse team who doesn't understand how to play just even the basic defense against a Jazz pick and roll.
1: Yeah, that pick and roll is really lighting them up, especially with... uh, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he's playing out of his mind in these playoffs. He is. And he's already had two 50-point games being already. He's already had two 50-point nights. And Jamal Murray on the other side, don't get me wrong, he's playing the best he can. I'm loving the. I'm loving that matchup being Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. I'm loving it. You know, they're going at it. They're going bucket for bucket with each other, you know, and even with that loss, even with the loss, you know, he still had 50 as well. So, I'm proud of his his play. I'm proud of Jokic's play. Paul Mills have got to be better, got to do better, especially, like yeah. you said, on defense. He he gets lost defensively, Paul Mills. Out. I mean, he's always been known as, like, a great rebounder, but he's been getting lost in defensive matchups, and it's it's kind of tough to see. And then, you know, the rookie, they just kind of pick him apart, and I've been talking about it all, you know, all season. That's uh, He got great offense, but his defense has been questionable, and that's Michael it's Porter Jr. He's yeah. you know, so yeah, been, been very, very bad. Like, yeah. He's, his defensive awareness is pretty bad. Like he he gets lost. Sometimes man gets his man gets to the rim or he just flat out gets, uh, gets scored on. And it's really tough to see. And they have really no answer. Like you
0: said, defensively. No. And that's Jay, too, because he's, he's such a big long guy that he could be a really good defender. Now, maybe he learns, you know, as he gets older, he's only a rookie, so he could get better as he improves, but I just don't know how much I trust Mike Malone to, to improve this team's defense because he has made absolutely no adjustments. He is having Jokic on the pick and roll. First of all, guarding Gobert, which I don't <laughs> know why you do that. Gobert is abusing Jokic, just constantly abusing. How many alley-oops have you seen? How many dunks? On, on yeah, he had a lot of
1: them last year. I mean, last game, too. He had a lot of putback dunks and some alley But I'll say on the flip side, your boy Jokic, he's played well on the other side, too, though. And yeah. he's, really had, he's really had no answer for uh, that being Rudy Gobert. He's really had no answer for Jokic either, especially when he stretches out and get on that outside perimeter.
0: Yeah, no, Jokic for sure has been good on the offensive side. He's at least kept Denver in most of their games. Offensively, because you were texting me this. Gobert wants nothing to do with <laughs> going outside to the arc. He does not want to guard Jokic on on the perimeter at all. He is outside of his comfort zone. He's not there to protect the rim. So Jokic stretching out the Jazz defense is helpful, but he is giving up so many points on the defensive end, where you see you know Gobert go to screen for Mitchell, and Jokic instead of hedging or switching, he just falls back into the lane. And Mitchell says, "You're going to give me that space? Okay, I'll move to the free throw line. Either take the shot." lob it up yep. for Gobert or kick it out. And that's the jazz offense in a nutshell. And it's working almost hundred percent of the time.
1: Especially when you got, got a guy like Donovan Mitchell cooking the way he is. I mean, he's going for 50 or 40 yeah. like every night. So if you have his ability to shoot that shot, you're mentioning that free throw line shot, he's going to take it. If he doesn't take it, then you have, and if he misses, like you said, you got Rudy Gobert cleaning up on the glass because you may have Jokic the one contesting that shot.
0: Yeah. It's it's bad. And and the Nuggets need to clean up a lot of parts on the defensive side. But it's just I mean, I feel for the Nuggets fans, it sucks because last year this was a team that had the highest of ceilings. People were very excited to see what they were going to do. And they have really not met expectations this year. This should be more of a series than it is. And the Nuggets should be playing a lot better than I think they are. And and I think that falls a lot on on head coach Mike Malone. And, and you were talking about coaches you dislike. Mike Malone is is that coach for me. He he has made no adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. He takes players out for the Nuggets who are heating up. Jamal Murray, yeah, he's heating like up at the, a like the games wrong time. Ago. Yeah, why why are you taking Jamal Murray out when he is heating up and really one of your main sources of offense? It's just he makes really weird moves. He doesn't make adjustments, and I I just don't know if he's the right coach to lead them forward. And it, it's
1: kind of tough because it's like you're not playing you, you're not playing Bobo unless you're getting blown out. So it's like. Are you going to give him minutes or are you not? So, like, it's always questionable with him. They really, really, really miss Will Barton and Gary Harris right now. They really miss both of those guys. In they particular, do. obviously, Gary Harris because that's scoring. And that defense, we, we mentioned how poor their defense has been. And Will Barton's a great perimeter. Uh, he's a pretty good, you know, perimeter defender. So, they miss those guys right now in these playoffs. And it's starting to really kind of show because those guys get a lot of minutes when they're healthy
0: yeah they the the injury thing is definitely an issue and and because those guys do help out a lot but they should still be at least competitive in most of these games and they were against the jazz last night on on sunday night but i just they're they're not gonna win this series and they're gonna have to look at themselves in the mirror and either definitely get healthy but i think they need to make that that coaching change um let's move on to our second the big three of the big three and that is looking forward uh, to this week because there are going to be a lot of fun things happening this week especially maybe some ends of these series Um, but let's start with the series that has not started yet and that is our first second round matchup with the raptors and the celtics which zach i think is going to be one of the most fun series of the entire playoffs
1: yeah i think so too it's going to be very very interesting to see what uh spicy p is going to do this is the series for him you know this is a series that i believe he got to come out and be that 30 and 10 guy he has to be that guy and then you know kyle Lowry, man we're going to need you to just chill on the flopping you know i know you want the charges because you know you leave you're like one of the league leaders in in taking charges or whatever but i'm going to need you to chill on the flopping against my boy kimball walker and jason tatum and uh, you know Jalen brown and those boys need him chill out on that but, uh, I, you know, if Norman Powell can play some good basketball, because he's played pretty good basketball so far coming off the bench, him and Serge, then they really got a shot, particularly Serge Ibaka. If he plays pretty well in this series, then that, you know, that's going to be pretty lengthy in terms of uh, going, to, going the long way.
0: Yeah, this is a series that easily you can see going seven games. It's just going to be so much fun. The defense on both sides. You know, I hope Gordon Hayward. Uh, I, I, that, that's the thing is, like, I don't know if, the absence yeah, from the Gordon Hayward for, yeah. the sex, for the Celtics is, is good or bad for them. But I think I really do think it's not as bad as maybe it would seem on the surface because I think it gives Jason Tatum a lot more room to operate because, and I said this before, I, I mean, you, you kind of look at it and Tatum is kind of Gordon Hayward 2.0 in a way they're I mean, they're very similar players and, and Tatum is just a better version. I think of Gordon Hayward. So you really, you're kind of okay with not with not having Gordon Hayward. It gives Tatum more room to operate. I think it'll give Kemba Walker a little bit more shooting opportunities. So I think they will be okay if, you know, they're not going to have Hayward, but still going to be an extremely fun series because we know Nick Nurse can coach defense really well. And these are going to be probably two of the best coaching minds in the NBA going up against each other.
1: That's very true. You know, uh, the boy out in Boston, he gets a lot of praise. He gets a lot of praise for being young and being able to coach. And then on the other side, you got Nick Nurse. He was named Coach of the Year, you know, just over the weekend. So that was pretty good for uh, the Toronto Raptors. I was really surprised to really see him win that award again. But, you know, hey, he took Kawhi. Kawhi left the team, and he was able to still keep this team in a good position, you know, obviously being a two-seed. And they've taken care of business so far all season. You got Kyle Lowry, who's played pretty well, like I said. You obviously got Spicy P. But then you got Mark Gasol, who's played pretty good in these playoffs, too, so far. And he's going to be key you know, they're a pretty big, pretty big team, the Toronto Raptors, you know, in terms of size and having some talent along with it, that being Serge, Spicy P and uh, Mark Gasol. So that's going to be very interesting to see what they be able to do against this uh, Boston Celtics team.
0: Yeah. And the other thing, of the other series that I think we're going to keep our eye on, obviously the Mavs and the Clippers, is is that series going to go seven games? And it's something that I think we can see it going seven games. Um, But Theoretically, and the Clippers are the favorites, so let's say the Clippers do get out of this series, Zach. Is this a Clippers team after this series, no matter if it goes seven or six or whatever it goes, do you see them still be one of the favorites to come out of the West in your eyes? Or did this series, especially with the way playoff P is playing, is this <laughs> did the Clippers get diminished a little bit by playing not as well as people may have expected in the series?
1: I think in terms of matchup for matchup, and then you have to include, like, on the talent side too, you know, depending on who they run into into the second round, which would probably end up being the uh, Utah Jazz, if I'm not mistaken, if they were to, if the Utah Jazz were to advance, it would have to take Donovan Mitchell the same type of energy. I don't know if he'll be able to have that same type of performance in that next series as he does now because of the size that the Clippers have on the perimeter and, and including a healthy Patrick Beverly, you know, he'll, he'll be able to irritate, you know, Donovan Mitchell at times throughout the game, throughout the series, if it, if they meet up. So I'm pretty confident the jazz would lose and it'd probably be a little more easier for the Clippers to escape that series versus the one they're
0: in right now, actually. Yeah. I think you're probably right. And Kawhi is just, he is so fun in the playoffs. He's so fun to watch in general, but he is really, really fun in the playoffs. He just has another, He just has another level to him. It seems like when he gets to the playoffs and he was really trying to carry that Clippers team, especially without Paul George um, in their game on Sunday. And for most of this series, it's, it's really been the Kawhi show and he's just played phenomenally. Yeah. I like what Paul
1: George has done throughout this series. And like you said, he's basically been carrying his team because there's been no playoff P at all throughout the series. And so, when you see the ability of Paul George, I mean, not Paul George, but Kawhi Leonard and his ability to score on all three levels, you know, he's working that mid-range game per usual, like he did in the last playoffs. And it's beautiful to really see. And I've enjoyed it, you know, all all series long, but they need more. You know, they obviously need more. And I like what Lou Williams did in his last game. Lou Williams had a great game uh, last game to really keep them into it. But there's no playoff P. There's no Paul George. And so... Until we really see what he brings to this table, it's going to be a really long series in your favor, Mr. Ben, for the Mavericks.
0: I think so, too. I would love for that prediction to be right. Most of my (laughs) predictions aren't, so it would be very nice to have one prediction (laughs) go right for once. Uh, Let's do the third of our big three. The big three. And that involves the draft lottery, which we saw uh, last week. And the Timberwolves got that first pick, and it looked like D'Angelo Russell was happy on television. This is... The future for the Timberwolves, I think, is very bright now, especially after they get this first pick. And it depends who they get, you know, Wiseman or LaMelo Ball or whoever they want, or they may trade it. But this sets the T-Wolves the up to have a very good future. They've got a very decent amount of young guys on that team.
1: Yeah, they do. This is going to be a very tricky situation for the Timberwolves, a very tricky situation for the Warriors, really for the Warriors. You know, the Timberwolves, they, got, they have two options. To me, either they're going to put D'Angelo Russell at the two and put Lonzo Ball, I mean, Alonzo Ball, and put the Ball brother, you know, that being uh
0: Yeah, LaMelo Ball.
1: LaMelo Ball. Putting him at the one and D'Angelo Russell at the two, they could either do that or put D'Angelo Russell at the one and take Anthony Edwards with the number one pick and have him be the two guard. Now, that sounds more reasonable. You know, that sounds more like an ideal situation to do because you have like only thing that the Anthony, Anthony Edwards already has the size. If you haven't seen Anthony Edwards out of Georgia, he's he's a pretty good basketball player. He was pretty violent, he had a lot of volume in terms of like the green light and having like shoot a lot of shots at Georgia as a freshman. But he's a pretty good basketball player. He's probably only missing in his game that three point shot, which you know, he's a three point league, and so he's going to be able to, he's going to have that you know, crutching him right now as he enters the league, but he has the ability to be able to, you know, build on that, and that'll be fine because he has has everything else in terms of the crossover getting to the rim, playing defense. He has the size already. He's already like 215, 220, so he already has the size for the NBA game. And so it's it's about the tools now as he approaches this
0: this league. Yeah, it's going to be a fun team to watch. There's no doubt about that. And the other thing that I'm very happy about with the draft lottery, the Bulls, Uh got number four. (laughs) They broke the streak of three straight seventh picks in the draft, which by and large is is huge in and of itself. But they got a top five pick, they got number four. Now it's it is very Bulls that you know there's really only three amazing guys that a lot of people think are going to come out of this draft in the top three. But they have a chance to to make some noise, maybe get Ob Toppin as a name people are throwing out there a lot. I know a lot of Bulls fans like Killian Hayes as well, so there are going to be names available, but. I just had to put that out there. I had to put that in the show that the Bulls finally got that fourth pick instead of having to deal with that seventh pick again for a fourth time in a row. I don't. I don't know what I would have done if they had to pick seventh four years in a row. That would just be absurd.
1: Yeah, but see, if they get, if they were to get the seventh pick, you know, a lot of people like the guy out of uh, Iowa State, and I like him too. You know, the Tyrese uh, Halliburton the guy. You know, he's pretty good, and you know, the Pistons are kind of in that area where they can probably get him. But you know I've seen uh, the noise with Keelan Hayes out of France, and I'm always uh, uh, on the edge with overseas guys because we don't get all the games like we would if you know we had NCAA. You know, so I'd be kind of iffy yeah. on the on the overseas guys. But I've seen some film, and you know he's pretty good. But I don't know if they should go with him with having a Kobe White. I do like the idea of an Obi Toppin though. You know if they're gonna if they're gonna move forward, which it sounds like they're gonna pr- probably trade Lloyd Marketing. I'm, is what it sounds like, Ben. I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. It sounds that way, but if they do decide to do that, they got to get a guy like Obi
0: Toppin. They yeah. Have. I think you're right. And and Karnichewis is, he seems like a very capable, you know, president, and Mark Eversley seems like a very capable general manager. So I, I finally am in a spot for maybe a spot where I wished I would be for the last decade, where I am very confident in what the Bulls' front office is going to do around the draft and around the offseason. So it's a unique place. It's something I'm not. Yet Used to where I said, wow, I'm pretty confident in the front office for the Bulls, but it's a nice place to be. It feels
1: yeah. nice. it does feel nice. For it's
0: the Chicago very comforting. Bulls fans. Yeah,
1: it does feel real good for the Chicago Bulls fans. But you know, you got the Warriors over here with the number two pick, and they already have like a juggernaut team when they get healthy with Klay Thompson, Steph, and then they'll have Wiggins. This fourth pick can be in Draymond Green. They have a this fourth pick can do something really interesting. They could probably get another superstar player from another team by trading this second pick. Or they can get a guy like James Wiseman and then trade him. They have a lot of options here.
0: They do. They do. And I think that'll be interesting to see, too, because they they are already set to make a playoff run next year. So for them just to add a young player, a top two player in the draft is absurd and unfair. But it is very Golden State Warriors of them. They they tanked and, you know, they didn't get the number one pick, but they got the number two pick. So. They really got mostly what they wanted, and, and to see their future is going to be insane, especially now that they're going to be developing young, really good potential superstar talent.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great to see whatever they do with this pick. I'm very interested. I'm very interested to see what they do.
0: All right, let's talk about what NBA Twitter is talking about this week. What it do, baby? Yeah because it does have a lot to do with the uh, NBA draft. And it was unfortunately or fortunately for kind of the humor going on, the New York Knicks got the eighth pick in the NBA draft, which is always hilarious to see the Knicks get uh, screwed over. So they're getting the eighth pick in the draft and the memes were endless for that. Just Knicks fans crying and saying, you know, we kind of expected this to happen because it is the New York Knicks. And that is their luck to people making fun of the Knicks and you know, I just, at this point, Zach, I truly don't know if the Knicks will ever be good again. <laughs> I just don't know if it's possible. Yeah,
1: it's, it's kind of sad. Like, you know, you can just get the piano out or, you know, the violin or whatever, whatever instrument you want and just play the saddest song that you possibly can for the New York Knicks one time for the one time. Because it's just sad to see, you know, we don't know if they'll get anybody in this free agency. I know they're going to go after Brandon Ingram. We'll see what happens. You know, they'll probably have to bring out the, the most money ever in terms of free agency that they've ever done to even get a Brandon Ingram. So, you know, we'll see what the Knicks could ever really do. You know, that, that Tyrese guy is, is probably sitting around at seven, eight, but they already have guards that they're trying to build on with the Frank kid. And, you know, obviously the, uh, the backups too, but it's the New York Knicks Ben. there's really no hope and it kind of sucks. <laughs>
0: it does. And maybe Thibodeau will help him out, but his history with younger players is not, Promising, not in his favor. It's, and and his history of of running players ragged is is definitely prominent. So you know maybe he's changed, maybe he's become a different coach, and I'm willing to to see if he has changed. But I just you know I I felt despair as a Bulls fan a couple months ago when it looked like they were going to keep boiling and the front office was was still there. And now everything has changed within three or four months, and the, the future looks bright for the Bulls. So you know maybe that is ahead for the Knicks, but. I just don't I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see a future with the Knicks being good, at least in the next five years. I just don't. And it's funny yeah. because it's the Knicks and they are extremely fun to make fun of. But it does it does suck for a lot of the Knicks fans,
1: especially when they're trying to do changes, you know, front front office changes. And, you know, obviously they got the new coach with Tib and Tib. you know, he's has a run of, you know, exhausting players playing 37, 38 minutes back to back. Yeah. You know, so, you know, he may wear his young guys out. So who knows? It's kind of up in the air and see, like, if he's made any changes in terms of his rotation ability with coaching. So it'll be tough. And it just depends on where guys fall. You know, if guys fall in certain areas or in certain places, who knows who they may get. You know, some guys got Devin Vassell going to the Knicks. Some people may have a Wiseman, James Wiseman falling all the way down. So you just never know what may happen, you know.
0: The other thing NBA Twitter's talking about Luca's game winner from Sunday night which was extraordinarily fun to watch. It was such a tight game, people going back and forth and Luca was able to do it without Kristaps Porzingis who was out with a with a knee injury. And it's just I don't this absolutely won't be the last Luca game winner that we see all over Twitter and that we see him do, but it is always fun to to see game winners and to for it to come from Luca who's only 21 years old. Again, he is twenty-one years old. And to see him. the way he's playing in these playoffs, to win a crucial game four on a buzzer beater, it's just the future is so bright for him and for the Mavericks, and it is so much fun to make fun of the Atlanta Hawks for trading that pick for Trey Young because Trey Young is good. But I just don't know if he's on Luka's level.
1: Oh my goodness. Listen. Mr. Trey Young, I love you, man. You know, I always got a roof for you on this, on this on this uh, topic right here, with with Luka Doncic and Trey Young being in the same draft, they're
0: gonna Trae be connected Young, forever.
1: Trey Young, you're gonna be fine. Uh, you know, you're gonna be a multi All Star. You're gonna be in the playoff conversation next year. You know, you guys just are one piece away from being in that playoff contention. I have no worries. Jason Collins, he's pretty awesome. Now, now that I got that out the way, <laughs> Mister Luka Doncic. Okay, I hate to throw the rain on the parade, but He's an all-star, correct? So what do you expect all-stars to do? To perform well, right? I always expect guys to perform well. And so with Luka making the game winner, I, I had I had Shaq vibes. So, you know, Shaq, you know, people said Shaq was hating. I said, no, nah, you just expect that from an all-star. You expect that from a superstar. And on the defensive side, it's Reggie Jackson. Why is Reggie Jackson guarding him? We alluded to that earlier, but it's a great shot for sure, without question. And he's only 21. I love when everyone says he's only 21 because my next question always, well, how long he's been playing professional basketball? And That's true. And how long has he, other 21-year-olds, his his age has been playing professional basketball. So there's a huge difference with this guy. He's one of one. People have to always remember, Lucas is just no ordinary. He's no ordinary 21-year-old. Like he's unique. He's a unique 21-year-old. He's been playing professional basketball, and we've been watching him do that same shot over Reggie Jackson against grown men before he was 21, we're talking 17, 18, 19 years of age. So before he was able to drink in America, <laughs> he's been able to knock this shot down. You know, doing this for a long time. And so, yeah, he's only been in league two years. He's been playing pro ball for a while now. So, you know, it's all routine for him. And him making that shot is just another than the next one. You know, he's gonna, like you said, he's gonna make the next one. He's gonna be in that position to have that shot again. And you know, he's gonna be. A guy that knocks it down, you know, moving forward into his career. So I look forward to it, you know. My only thing is, like how we talked about LeBron, it's when you don't show up is when it's in question mark. You know, this is the playoffs. So I'm expecting Luka to beat Luka. I'm expecting LeBron to beat Braun. Uh, Jimmy Butler has surprised me with his ability to elevate his game for Miami. And, you know, we haven't talked about that, but, you know, my Jimmy, I have to give praise where it's due. You know, Jimmy's played very well with Miami against the Pacers right now in that series. So there's guys where I I just automatically expect to step up and elevate their game. And, and there's no KP. I really expect you to step up because all the attention is really on you now, Luka, and he did it. You know, shouts out to Luka for knocking down that shot in that triple that triple double
0: point outing he's going to be very very fun to watch for the next hopefully 15 uh, uh, or more 15 years at least yeah at, at least, least. all right let's do uh our stat of the week and our stat of the week this week is eighty three yeah, this and that, one was uh,
1: crazy. When you sent me this one, I was like, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, this goes, so this goes to the Miami Heat and 83 is the stat of the week. And that is because the Miami Heat are shooting 83% effective field goal percentage on their catch and shoot shots. So they are shooting 83% on catch and shoots, which is unbelievable. And I think it's a testament to how good their spot up shooters are, especially, you know, Duncan Robinson. And we see Kendrick Nunn uh, as well, playing well and, and Goran Dragic, but also, how poorly that perimeter defense is for the Indiana Pacers.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they can't find the shooters. And they let they, they let Duncan Robinson go off for like seven threes in one of these games. I couldn't believe it. It's like somebody find him and put a body on him. It should be boxing on on Duck Robinson in this series. That's how it looks because he's been able to knock down shots off that catch and shoot at any given time he's given the ball. And so it's it's kind of brutal to watch and Malcolm Brogdon. He's doing his best. He can defensively when he's in that matchup situation with a guy like Jimmy Butler or TJ Warren's with Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler, he's finding these guys, man. And they're moving that ball around and they're just collapsing that defense for the Pacers.
0: Yeah. And we didn't talk about this series at the start of the show, because I knew we were going to talk about it here, but I mean, the Pacers just are all matched. As you said, Butler has been, been playing pretty well. TJ Warren can only do so much. And there are games where he's going to be a little bit off and, Defensively, the Pacers, I think, have been lacking the the ability to make to make uh, effective moves on the Miami Heat, especially in the three point line. So I just uh, the Heat look very good. And I think they are going to be one of those forces to come out of the East um, that are going to be very, very dangerous if they get to the conference finals.
1: Yeah. Jimmy Butler, like I said, he's played very well. Bam out of Bayou. I think I seen something about Bam out of Bayou. I didn't look into it, but I know spoke. He came out and he said something. He told people to shove it or whatever. So I'm all for, you know, coaches standing up for their players. So 110%, you do that, Eric Spo. And, you know, Bam, he's playing pretty well in this series. I got to give credit where credits due. You know, that's the guy that, you know, our very own Amita Smith wants to win that uh, most improved player of the year award. So he's shown his, you know, he's shown his capability throughout these playoffs. And it's very, it's been very fun to watch.
0: Yeah. And Spolstra is such, I mean, we talked about bad coaches and we're going to talk about another bad one coming up. (laughs) But Spolstra has been so good as a coach and we know that he's able to coach. We saw him coach LeBron and, and company to two titles, but I mean the what he's been able to do with this team and and the moves that he has made has have been incredible. He he's just able to put his team in a really good position to win. And and the coaching is is definitely going to be one of the big reasons that he move on if if they're going to get to the conference finals. And, you know, that catch
1: and shoot, 83, 83% efficient rating on catch and shoot, through, on catch and shooting for the Miami Heat, you know that credit's coming from guys like, like we said, Duncan Robinson and Jay Crowder. He's been knocking down shots. It's been kind of irritating me actually being how many shots that Jay Crowder has been making. Like, he's been making key shots at the wrong time for me because I've been kind of <laughs> wanting this, I've been wanting this Pacers Heat series to be a long series, you know, a back and forth yes. series with. TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler going at it and you know Jimmy's done pretty well TJ Warren's been kind of okay he hasn't really sparked up in terms of what he did in the bubble before the playoffs started getting those 30 points a game and you know he had that 53 point outing but he hasn't really shown that aggressiveness offensively that I had hoped for in this series and that's kind of why they're down 0-3 that then you got Vic he's kind of on and off to Oladipo so it's been kind of topsy-turvy with him and You know, if they don't get it together uh, in their next game, that being the fourth one, then they'll be going home.
0: All right. The time that you have been waiting for, Zach, it is overreaction.
1: Or no. (laughs) Or no. Listen. Uh, Yeah, go go for it. It's all you. (laughs) Does Brett Brown got to go? Does he just got to be out of Philly? Does he has to be out of the Philadelphia 76ers organization? Is that an
0: overreaction? Uh, You know, it's it's tough. I don't think it is a huge overreaction, but I do think it is a little bit of an overreaction. And I'll say this reason why. I think he was given very bad tools to win. Now, I'm not even talking about the injuries because the injuries definitely, I mean, you lose Ben Simmons, that is extraordinarily tough. You lose your best defender. You're going to be in trouble anyway. But this goes back to all the way back towards last season where the front office, you have Jimmy Butler available. You don't give him... You don't give him money. So he leaves. You have JJ Redick available. You don't give him money. You don't match with new Orleans. He leaves. You you, you lose that three point shooting. Instead, you bring in Al Horford who really doesn't match with the offense and the way this Philly, the Sixers team runs. And you extend Tobias Harris, who I definitely doesn't deserve all the money that he's gotten, but sure. You, you give him a ton of money and he doesn't really do much. And so you're kind of stuck with this weird team of like kind of stretch fours and Ben Simmons, But also Horford's kind of older and he doesn't get enough, uh, not, not enough room to maneuver. And there's a lot of people in the paint for Embiid not to maneuver well. It's just a poorly made roster. And then you expect Brett Brown to go out there and coach good games when he doesn't have the personnel to coach the way that he wants. So I think in part, the people that he was given was an issue.
1: Yeah. You know, that, the roster is a bit rough. I, w- I will say that. I'll admit that, especially, like, the three-point shooting. They they talked about it all season. They never really got it together. You know, they got the two big out there with, you know, Ben Simmons was out there with Tobias ha- uh, Harris and Al Horford and Joel Embiid. That's not enough space, as you mentioned. It was bad. Now, however, there's no way you get swept with the best center in the league. There's no excuse. I don't care what anyone says. Brett Brown, you do not under any given circumstance. Yes, your best point guard, best perimeter defender, Ben Simmons, was out. But you could win a game? You have the best in the league. You couldn't win one game. You couldn't put Ben Simmons on the block. I don't care. 20, 30 times in a row. Just I'm talking on a block. Now he catch the ball face up 12, 15 feet away from the rim. No, on the block. Five feet in his counter, Daniel Tice one-on-one. If they bring their help, we're swinging the ball around until we get a great shot. Or someone's going to be attacking the rim, slashing to the rim. That should be Tobias Harris. Not a great shooter. We've seen what he's been able to do in terms of catch and shoot or just shooting in general. He shot poorly. It was bad to see in this series particular. So you got that going on. He's not making those shots, Harris. If he's not making those shots, he needs need to be flashing to the rim, cutting to the rim, drawing fouls, getting to the free throw line. There should be something along the lines of that going on. There was none of that going on in this series. There's just trying to compete one-on-one style, try to shoot and match the Boston Celtics talent. And they couldn't do that. You got to find a strategic way to beat a team at least one time.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And, And he definitely, you know, he's not given the tools to win, but I think he still has enough tools to at least attempt to win one game in the series. And he couldn't do that. So I, and I do think also, especially with the, the drought that the Sixers have had now, they were one bounce away for, from maybe making a conference finals last year. If Kawhi doesn't hit that shot, you know they go to overtime, and who knows what happens then. So it's still possible they lose. But they got close to a conference finals. But they did not make a conference finals with Embiid and Simmons yet. And I think even, even if it's not 100% the head coach's fault, he needs to go. You need, you need some change.
1: Yeah, there has to be some type of direction moving forward. You know, Elton Brand has to make that decision. You know, this rest of this off and really decide. You know, what direction the Celtics, I mean, the Sixers are really going to go into because you got a six foot nine, six foot ten point guard. You got the best center in the league. They people really kind of starting to see that they don't really mesh together. One of them has to go. I don't know which one it has to be, but you paid Al Horford all this money, so I don't know who, how many people are going to want that contract at his age on their roster. You know, I, I don't really know. You know, you can trade Ben. You can trade Ben Simmons. You can trade him well. I'm just not really sure you can trade a Tobias Harris or Al Horford with those contracts.
0: No, you can't. And they kind of put themselves in just a bad position. And the next head coach that comes in is going to be uh, in a bad position. And, and he's going to have to figure it out. And maybe you do something with Ben Simmons. But I just I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what the issue. I don't know what the way to solve that problem is.
1: Yeah, me neither, Ben. Now, we got picks to, to close the podcast. We got our picks we do. here. Our picks to close for these NBA uh, bubble playoff games And well. I'm still sticking with my OKC Houston and that OKC wins the series. I don't know if they win in six. You know, I'm still hoping it's in six. You know, I may sound crazy. A lot of people don't agree with me, especially right now with the way the Rockets have played. But I think if there are some coaching adjustments from Billy Donovan, they will really start to see that this small ball offense really shouldn't be working in the bubble.
0: That's interesting. And 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 that's um yeah. I I don't I don't really have a rebuttal for that. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. I I am interested to see and and I know we talked about it this but the Raptors and Celtics and I think I I think the Raptors take game 1 in that if we're making any picks. I think you- the, I think the Raptors take game 1. On okay, Thursday. the Raptors on Thursday. I'll say Raptors take game one on Thursday.
1: I'm gonna go with the Boston Celtics. I'm gonna go with the boy Jason Tatum. Yeah, I'm gonna go against you on this one. Off the strength of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown being able to get their own shot, but I know I know Norman Powell and Sergey Ibaka are some juggernauts off the bench. I, I I really do know that, but I'm really confident that they, they get that game one the Boston Celtics with the abilities of Jalen uh, Brown, and Jason Tatum.
0: All right, we'll see who uh, we'll see who wins next
1: week. Absolutely, and so this concludes this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast. Zach Bazharhouse and of course Ben Wittenstein here. Both follow us on Twitter at our social media handles, are obviously being our names. Follow Shams for all your basketball news and latest updates on the uh, on the Twitter, of course, and then follow Stadium on Twitter as well for all your sports updates and just you know day to day sports programming, of course. And make sure you listen to uh, Trash and Treasure with Amina and Felder. They come out every Thursday. They have great content going, as they do every single week. And we'll hear from you guys. See you guys next
0: week.